Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Hees. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, So we are here to become better habitat managers. Hope everybody is doing great, guys. It is, let's see, I think it'll be uh, December 1st when this launches. Happy December. Can't believe we are already two-thirds of the way through deer season here in Michigan. Uh, most hunting seasons, for the most part. And um, hopefully you guys have had a prosperous season. I'm out here still grinding, heading down to Illinois right now for a four-day hunting trip with my buddy Jordan. And uh, wish you all luck and shoot. You guys want to wish me luck. I'll take it at this point. I appreciate it. Um, we have my good friend Ryan Jackson from Northern Indiana on the podcast today. Ryan, uh, I met Ryan through the podcast. He was a land plan client after a long time listener. And uh, I think he listened for three years or so and then finally gave us a call as well. He's a great deer hunter, uh, great father, great habitat manager, and owns a really cool parcel or what's becoming a really cool parcel in northern indiana 43 acres guys 43 acres and there was a booner alert a booner shot on the 43 acres this season and another one that was close to it so this goes to show guys that put in the hard work do the right habitat practices hunt with the right amount of pressure and you can make it happen so again awesome podcast today with my friend ryan we cover kind of ryan's backstory how he acquired the property, um, recover kind of what he was needing when he was reaching out for a land plan. He wanted another set of eyes on the parcel. We also cover some of the NRCS stuff he's worked on prior to the land plan, uh, some pollinator habitat, some warm season grasses. We talk about food plots, using a grain drill, talk about a lot of, you know, TSI, cutting, removing 200 and something shagbark hickories. Guys, awesome 
podcast here today, the Habitat Podcast, and we appreciate you for coming back and being part of our Habitat Podcast family. Guys, I would really appreciate it if you left us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. I know I say that all the time, but that really helps us, you know, chart, find new people, appear in searches. The other day, we just appeared at number 18 out of all wildlife podcasts out there on Apple. That's pretty spectacular. Um, I mean, one, two, and three are like meat eater and wired to hunt and those type of guys. So we are up there. Yeah, and that's because of you guys, the listeners. Keep coming back, leaving us great feedback. We're putting out the content. You guys are liking it. We appreciate it. So leave us a great five-star review. Write something nice. Shoot me an email, info at habitatpodcast.com with your address. Free decals coming your way. I want to just say, if you're looking for anything for the holiday season, don't forget to support our sponsors. They're the ones that support us and make this possible week after week after week. I'd like to thank Tagged Out Seed Products, Vitalize Seed Company, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Packer Max Cult of Packers, Morse Nursery, United Country, Midwest Lifestyle Properties, and Downburst cedars guys i'm excited for habitat season to fire back up here getting those chainsaw blades sharpened and ready but in the meantime good luck out there the rest of the season introducing downburst cedars guys downburst cedars deliver precision small seed spreading for all of your food plot and screening needs they are lightweight durable and easy to maneuver I met Doug up at his house and we tested a downburst cedar in his garage, reweighed the amount of seed, did the math, and they are extremely accurate. If you're trying to plant small seeds, clovers, brassicas, rape, you know, it takes the guesswork out of cover cropping. I mean, the proper seed rate for alfalfa, switchgrass, any other small seeds. Check them out today at downburstseeders.com. We do have a code if you're a Habitat podcast listener. There's HP10. Eliminate the seed waste. It's ground wheel driven. Very accurate. Very light. Aluminum. Can throw it in the bed of your truck. Check them out, guys. We already have listeners purchasing these products. Doug at downburstseeders.com will be happy to answer any questions you have. They are literally a piece of art made here in northern Michigan. All right. So how you been, brother? I've been good, man. How about you? Doing well. Doing well. Been uh, grinding this season, trying to get something done, but um, <laughs> trying to make something happen. Heading down to Illinois right now. I'm going to try to uh, get a redemption deer. So, but I appreciate you I making the time that. to hop on here today, man. Yeah. Yeah. I figured I was coming here before too long. I thought you were had, had plans to head down there. Yeah. It's more of a kind of an annual thing i got a good buddy down there um so we try to get together once a year whether it's bow season or gun season or or something but uh yeah so we're doing this podcast live and uh man you've been you've been having a good good season so far haven't you uh yeah i probably i don't think i could ask for any better to be being quite honest it's uh it's been a ride <laughs> but we're gonna get into some of that later in the in the episode here but before we get too far into it, let's hear about, you know, who you are, where you're from, um, kind of how you heard about about us and, and me and the podcast, all that stuff. And uh, we'll get us started there, if you don't mind. All right. Well, uh, name is Brian Jackson, uh, Northern Indiana. Um, you know, just a normal, I would say, everyday guy, to be quite honest, uh, a guy with a dream. Uh, and that was, you know, to own my own land. So I can make it what I want. I, you know, I grew up, uh, grew up hunting, fishing, doing all that stuff with my dad. And there, uh, that was, that was just my passion, you know? Um, then, uh, somewhere along the line, I decided I would, uh, take off and head, head out, uh, to California and, uh, live out another part of, or another dream that I had. And that was be in the Marine Corps, be a Marine. 
Um, but, uh, that whole time, you know, I was missing home and missing hunting. Uh, but, uh, got married while I was out there, had, uh, had a little boy and then, uh, we decided to move back home and I told her, I said, uh, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna look for some, you know, some land and, uh, which actually worked out pretty well once we got back here, um, my dad knew uh, knew of a guy, and it was a place I hunted uh, here off and on while I was on leave or whatever. But uh, yeah, so that's how I got to end up moving back here and then and being able to buy a, a decent chunk of ground, I guess. Yeah, well, great, great story. And first off, uh, you know, thank you for your service in the Corps. I know I've already told you that when I met you, but um, really do, really do appreciate that. One of my best friends was a uh, was a scout sniper for the Corps. So I've I've been around it a little bit and I just really appreciate the hell out of you guys. So, um, you know, were you were you relieved to get back and, and move back to northern Indiana back home? Uh, <laughs> you know, no. Uh, that, that wasn't the initial plan. Uh, it isn't nothing against here. I guess I've just got this, like, I want to be out West, you know, that country yeah. out there. Um, just, and that, that was my plan and maybe not even all the way West, you know, growing up and it, every, everybody watches TV, right. Watches the hunting shows. Uh, I wanted to be, you know, Iowa, Kansas, somewhere like that. Um, but the, uh, we'll say the more mature side of me, uh, <laughs> You know, I knew how close my wife was with uh, with her family. So, um, you know, that's a conversation we had. And we uh, we ended up right back here about five miles from where I or not even five miles from where I grew up. So but yeah, it, it, it's worked out. So is your wife from California then or is she from back where no. back home? No, she she's from right here, too. Yeah, her whole family oh, cool. is right okay. here. So. Yeah. Yeah. You start having yeah. kids and, and whatnot. And you know, the, you know, the women like to be close to their mom and, and, you know, I, I understand that for sure. I'm sure a lot of us understand that and tell you what, man, my parents are two and a half hours one way and her parents are two and a half hours the other way with, you know, when they're in Michigan and it's just, uh, be nice to have a little more help every now and then, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's worked out well. Um, you know, that, and that was another thing I did. I, I wanted her to be around her family and I wanted, wanted, uh, the boys cause you know, we ended up having, uh, a second one once we got moved back home, um, to, uh, be able to grow up and see their grandparents. Yeah. You know, it was not just two or three times a year or, or whatever it worked out to be, you know? So. Sure. Sure. That's, that's, that's a great point. How's your dad doing by the way? Uh, he's doing well, doing well. So he's, uh, making more habitat plans, I believe. <laughs> Good. Good. I know uh, he was pretty gun ho about the the plan we did with with him as well. And um, yeah, just super nice guy. So uh, yeah. both you guys, great, great guys. And then so I guess so you moved back, you bought your your chunk. Um, what year did you buy your your parcel? Do you recall? Oh, I want to say, oh, it was what to say 2014, somewhere right in there. OK, so. yeah, that's pretty much right where the uh, right when the podcast was born. Um, yep. Oh no, I'm sorry. That's when I that was about when my kids were born. The podcast was born in 2018. Sorry. Um okay, yeah. That, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was a lot. I had had a backwards there. I gotta I gotta keep straight on that. And tell me about the parcel. Like how was how did it go to find it? Um, you know, the size, the way it lays out. Let's hear about all that too. Uh well, like I said, uh, and then in the beginning, it ended up being uh, a guy that I that my my dad knew um it actually came up for auction while i was out in california uh the only thing that sold was the house and buildings and um so when i when we moved back home or whatever i i started hunting it and uh you know it was more of a i i was seeing good deer and then there was also another couple that was hunting it so 
Um, and I kind of, I guess I could see a little bit of, mm, I felt like it could have been, it could be good if, if that makes sense. Yes, um, you know, and yeah. And I knew what I had for a neighbor, at least on one side. So, um, that's, uh, that's kind of how I got the ball rolling. Basically just made a phone call there. And, and nice. thankfully the guy, you know, the guy was, uh, awesome to deal with, work with, and he worked with us because I'll be, be real honest. We had no business doing what we were doing. You know, just getting home and uh, as far as financially, but, you know, like anything sure. else in life, you got to make a leap. It may, it may not feel like it was right in the beginning, but uh, uh, you got to hold on a second here. Okay, we're good. Um, but so, yeah, it's uh, basically just a rectangle 43, um, which before I started, it, you know, it was, uh, I would say half. Probably half of it was ag and then half of it was uh, wide open timber. Uh, so uh that's uh that was obviously a challenge but then uh, as i as i went on i i kind of figured out how to work around that but then you you know like anything else i just tried to i was trying to make it better and then somewhere in there is when i uh heard i started like looking for podcasts i guess it was and uh i came across you so oh boy yeah that was a mistake no <laughs> it's uh no, it's um, it, one thing you said there was was pretty interesting. You know, you you might not have been in, have any business doing what you did financially at that time, and and but you have to make a leap. Oh, I can re- I can relate to that a hundred percent. Like when I first bought my fifteen, my wife was like, "You want to spend money on on what?" You know, it's, <laughs> and, and so it's I can totally totally relate. And and unless you get out of your comfort zone, sometimes you know it's hard to it's hard to grow and, and get yeah. to that next step. So you know, to your comment about about being a dreamer, about wanting the the white tail habitat dream that we all do. Um, good on you for for getting out there and, and making that happen. And I think I think we started chatting. Um, I think it was maybe twenty twenty one. Yeah, it was like November fifteenth. 2021 is when you reached out about a land plan. I don't think we've been talking much before that, um, but it's right about that time where guys are sitting in the woods going, man, I got to change something up. You know, were you, were you having any experience yeah. like that or what was your thoughts? A hundred percent. Like I said, it was, it was probably your stereotypical woods. I'm, I'm going to guess that you probably walk into when you go on these, uh, these visits. Um, yeah. I mean, to be quite honest and you know how it lays out, you've walked in there. You could walk up, you could be on one end of that woods or the other, and you could, I would say, more than likely kill a deer on the other end with the, with the right weapon. Yeah. Um, deer, they weren't bedding in there. It was, you know, all the bedding was to the west. Um, obviously, I knew I knew that. That was very obvious. Um, so, you know, they'd pass through the woods and then go out to the ag field, which would be, I was basically just the guy in the middle. And, uh, but yeah, you know, I'd sit there and I'd see that I never, and I knew I had to either get in there before they made it back to bedding, or it was going to be last minute before I seen them on their way from bedding to food. I wasn't going to be a situation where, you know, I was going to be in their bedroom to hunt it. So yeah, that was, uh, but yeah, I sat there and I'm like, man, this, this, it's got to be better. Right. And um, there wasn't any, like, it, it was just so, that's what it is. It's not like I could get in there and move around and, and make moves on deer. It's just, it was just is what it was. And so that wasn't good enough for me. Um, so that's when I was, like I said, I've, I've probably been listening to your podcast from the beginning, I think, as what we talked about when you come out here. But uh, yeah, and I would try some stuff on my own and but nothing too big. It's like I felt like it was the right thing to do, but I'm sure I fell into the same category as a lot of guys that are getting into the habitat work like they might know or have an idea of the right direction. 
but it's firing up that chainsaw, you know, cutting that tree or, or putting this here or that there, you know, cause like in my mind it's like, man, I could cut that tree or cut these trees and, uh, and, and make some changes, but, uh, you can't stand them up once you put them on their side. That makes sense. Right. And, and that's yeah, where, it, that's why that's, Yep. And that's, uh, that's how I ended up uh, reaching out, reaching out to you. Well, yeah. And, and you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. You, yeah, you were a listener from the very beginning. So it wasn't like you were a total newbie. Like you, you had food plots, you were, you know, you, you cut some trees. Um, so that's kind of cool. You know, it's kind of cool to talk to one of our guys who, who's been out there and got his feet wet a little bit. And, uh, you know, you, you know how to kill deer. That wasn't, you know, that wasn't part of it. It was just, how can we take this to the next level and, and get another set of eyes on there? I think is what you said. Um, yep. And, and your property is pretty dang unique uh, it, in a way, in, in my opinion, like it's long and narrow north, south, and then it had some undulation to it. You know, it has some topography to it, which, you know, can be, can be good and bad. I, I prefer it. I'd rather have some topography. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful parcel, man. I mean, I remember the hills up front and the hills in the back and kind of the valley in the middle, right? Yep. Yep. I appreciate that. Yep. Yeah. It's definitely not, you don't go too far from here, then you're on flat ground again. And, <laughs> and it's uh it was a learning curve, you know, cause you, you've been down around here. It's 40 acres here, 40 acres there, woodlots and, and ag fields. And, but uh, you know, you get back here, it's probably learning the wind game. And the thermals was uh, has been a, a pretty big eye opener for me here because it definitely comes into play. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. Um, I know that you know. I came down. We we did your plan. We did your dad's plan. Um, got you, got you going. I guess I kind of want to hear. I, well, I guess there's one thing that that w- when I presented the plan to you, I just remember you saying this and it came into my head today while I was thinking about this conversation. Um, you were like, "Wait, we're gonna like have betting on on my property and and not try to." <laughs> get them as they come from the neighbors i was like yeah and I, and I remember saying yeah because you know eventually your neighbor could sell he could cut all his bedding down he could walk through there every day and blow it all out like we got to think ahead for the future and and it, it'll take a while but um i remember you asking that question and i just kind of smiled i'm like that's awesome you know seeing it seeing it kind of click and seeing the things tracking it's, it's pretty fun yeah yeah i guess i guess i probably should uh not to cut you off there but back up You're a good. little bit there because you know like i said when i bought this place it was we'll say half ag and half wide open timber. Um, I don't, I think I want to say I'm about five years into a uh, contract through the NRCS office. Um, I ended up taking basically the whole ag ground and turning it into trees, bushes, shrubs, um, native warm season plantings, and uh, some wildflowers in there too. And then, and then the woods portion of it, we did a timber stand improvement on. So that was already put into effect prior to giving you a phone call. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. You didn't get to see it when I'll say it was at its worst. (laughs) Okay. So you're saying, yeah, if I remember correctly, the NRCS stuff was on the South end, right? Yes. Yep. Oh, yep. All the, uh, switch, you know, warm season grasses and pollinators and all kinds of stuff out there. And I don't even know it's been long enough. Like it's been what, two years since you've been here, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the trees have actually come a long way that we're out there. But uh, so, yeah. And, and, you know, and and just doing that was a step in the right direction from what I seen it prior to that. Like it it went from I could sit on the ditch, you know, in the evening when there was crops out there or whatever, say beans or the beans got cut. And, you know, I might see six deer maybe. Um, But then that first 
full season in or year into the getting it back to native habitat. I mean, it was uh, 15, 20 deer, you know, where the year before I was seeing six in that field. So, wow. Yeah, it it was uh and that that and when I seen that is probably when I really took a dive, you know, both feet first, head first, however you want to say it, into the habitat thing because that right there showed me um that it could be better and not just by a food plot. Cuz that, you know, leading going into that, that when I got this place, I couldn't wait to put a food plot on it, you know. So, yep. and um then Fast forward and, and seeing just have a native habitat out there made me realize that that food plot isn't making the difference, you know, so. Yeah, it's more of a, more of a, an attraction level icing on the cake type thing. Now, t- tell yeah. me this. What was your experience dealing with the NRCS in your area and getting those those uh, contracts enrolled and, and implemented? Tell, tell us about that. I don't, we don't talk about that enough, I don't feel. Um, It, it was it was pretty easy to be honest. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work, um, and keeping up with things. And I'll be honest with you. I don't do a very good job, very good job with <laughs> everything else going on in life. Um, but it was one of those things. They were the guy that I have to work with. Um, he's a hunter, so he knows, um, it, I had to go through the process. I got selected and got it approved. And then I got, I was able to sit down with him and figure out the the right one for this property. And then, I mean, even went as far as to say, hey, I, he let me be part of laying it out and where I wanted the trees. And, you know, obviously there was guidelines in there where I had to stay in inside. But, um, yeah, we just it was super easy to work with. And, and I was up front and honest with him, you know, when uh, this is at the end of the day, this is a hunting property. That's what it's going to be. And that's my goal is to make it as good as it could possibly be for 43 acres in this part of the world. And, you know, he was, he let me be part of the whole, Hey, I'd like to have this here. And uh, I don't really want that type of bush. You know, if I got to have it, I got to have it, but I wanted to have some value to wildlife was, and so it, it went well. So. Do you recall what types of trees and bushes a lot of your planting was along with the warm season grasses by chance? Um, I know I have, uh, we put some, some different like white pines out there and those were, uh, let's see, I have white pines. I had another one and I don't remember what that is off the top of my head. And to be honest, I don't think that other variety even made it. Uh, I know we had some persimmons put in there. Um, I, and you know, I can't really think, recall off the top of my head. I should have got the list out. So I had it at hand. Um, but I, I, I can't really recall everything out there. I just know there was roughly like 4,800 trees and bushes planted in, in that little section out there. Wow. And, and did you do all that? Did you have help? And then the NRCS was, was that a cost share program with that contract? I assume. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously they, you know, we did a hardwood planting too with the white pines. It was a couple different varieties of oaks, walnuts, um, as far as that go. And like I said, I don't really remember on the bush side of things, what it, what all there was there. There was two or three different types, but yeah. And that's, I knew going into that contract that I was going to have things I had like, it's, you know, I had to do this or I had to do that. And, you know, I was going to have to to work with them. And like I said, thankfully, they were easy to work with. But I knew at the end of the day, I couldn't afford to do out of my pocket what I wanted to do. So um, that's why I went that that route and uh, chose to put it put it in a program, you know, and at the end of the day, we're still making money off of it. Right. And the way it had worked out is. I, I don't exactly remember. I was like roughly 190 in acres, what I was 
make an off of it to farm it or to have it farmed. Um, and when it was all said and done, I think I'm right around 225 an acre. And, you know, I had, so I had, uh, I had, I don't remember what the cost share was on the trees off the top of my head, but there was a cost share there. I had a little bit of money out of my pocket. I think I had like $1,400 or something for the trees. Um, and then um, every, you know, the warm season grass planting, and the pollinator planting was a cost share. So, you know, it was all done on cost share. But when I got enrolled in, there was also, once that program got put in, everything was put in, the fire breaks, the trees planted, the grass and pollinator mix was in the dirt. They had come out and looked. And then I got a $1,000 an acre bonus. So, which it was roughly 15 acres. So, you know, right off the top, they cut me a check for 15 grand. So, wow, uh, you know, I'm money ahead at this point. Yeah, and that's that's a great story, Ryan. I'm glad you went into some detail there because I don't think a lot of us are as familiar as we could be with those types of programs. I know my NRCS agent in northern Michigan at the Northern 70, he's super helpful uh, with mm -hmm. anything I need whenever. And I've heard my buddy Jordan down here in Illinois, he says his down there, you know, they don't really get back to him and, and this and that. So I know it's probably site dependent county dependent as well but um shoot man you're making more money per acre now and you have deer habitat going and growing yeah, every year yeah yeah i think it, i think probably obviously if you got somebody in whoever's local office that maybe isn't into the things we are into it might be a little harder to deal with them because they don't see what we see or the vision that we have but like i said thankfully uh who i deal with he's you know he understands he sees it and, you know, I kind of, I push the boundary lines a little bit, like probably most everybody does. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, and I, I'll be honest, I had that conversation when they come out, be like, I'm doing it for the better of wildlife and habitat. And at the end of the day, nobody can argue that fact if they knew what this place was prior to what it is today. Amen, so. dude. Preach it. Heck yeah. I think, uh, I think that that bonus speaks, speaks on how they thought of, of what you were doing out there. So well done on that. Now, what, what else have you done, you know, it being 2023 now, just almost December 2023, what other projects have you been working on out there on the 43? Um, so, you know, the we'll, we'll jump into the timber part of it. So basically the other, rough, we'll just say roughly 20 acres. Um, you know, I had a, a timber stand improvement uh, done on that. So they come in when that was on a cost share deal, which I don't even... I didn't have hardly any money in that. Basically, the whole drawing up the plan, walking through, marking stuff, and a little backstory from what I can understand or ha have been told by other people is I, I was a very uh, hickory, shagbark hickory dominated uh, woods. Um, and come to find out that there was probably some cattle ran in there back in the day. And that's why I ended up with so many hickories. If you like squirrel hunting, this was a place to be. I mean, it, it was off the chain. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that that wasn't going to work for me. So, um, but like I said, I had a guy come in from the state. He walked through and then uh, I had a forester come in. He marked everything. And then uh, the other fellow came back. And like I said, I was able to be part of that process too. I walked through there and, and I probably could have taken some more uh, like oaks and and some walnuts and stuff like that. But, you know, I made it very clear in the beginning of that that this ain't about going back here and making as much money as I possibly can off this timber. That's not where we're at right now. Um, so my main goal was to 
to get it back to where it was regenerating and and being like it should be with obviously hunting a main priority in there as well because you know like i said the way i was somebody had went in there and cut a bunch of high value timber out and just walked away so that's that's what i started with and uh so i think we ended up taking out uh oh, what was it 200 and 220 somewhere 215 and trees and I would say 200 of them were shagbark hickories. Um, I had a couple of damaged oaks, you know, that, that needed to go or a couple of oaks that were within two or three feet of each other. So one of them had to go so the other could prosper. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that was another big turning point for this property was getting light to the forest floor. Yeah, I love what you said there, too, about how you're continuously you're continually explaining what your goals are, whether it be to the NRCS agent, whether it be to the forester, the logger, you know, timbers, timbers great and all. And yeah, you can make some money on it. But as we've talked about many times, usually you can't have really good, you know, you know, money making timber and have exceptional deer habitat as well, because they're kind of the opposite of each other. Right. So well done yep. on that. And I remember when I was there, I think even though you had a cut, um, and I do remember all the hickories, um, you know, we were even talking about cutting some more too, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, see, so they, <laughs> what I wish I would have done is, you know, like I said, they worked with me on what trees, obviously within, within the guidelines, um, of doing this and with my main goal in mind and, but. I wish I would have thought a little further into it and I let them go ahead because there was old logging roads in there, which wasn't too extensive. You know, it was basically a loop around the swamp that's in the middle of the woods, right? Um, hindsight, I wish I would have thought through that a little more and had them make better roads in different different spots, you know, for hunting uh, purposes. But that's neither here nor there. Live and learn. So, um, but so anyways, they, uh, I went back. And then, you know, before I had called you, I'd go back and just what I was running into was I got all these, these treetops on the ground. And so basically I went from zero bedding to bedding everywhere. So I was busting deer out left and right. So I went back and started cutting up treetops where I did absolutely not want, want deer bedding because that's what was going on. And then, then I, I could tell myself that, oh man, I'm going to need more, uh, more trees cut. And I thought like I had an idea in my my mind of what I wanted or or what I needed to do and but the, and this is where you ended up coming into play I'm like all right I want to make a phone call because I I've been here for five six years at this point and I need a new set of eyes so uh that's that's when I basically reached out to you for in which I told you that I just I think I need I know what I need to do but I, I need a new set of eyes somebody that has never seen that scenario and basically just confirm yeah hey you're headed down the right path or do this do that so yeah that's when i had, had reached out to you yep and that sounds exactly like uh i'd probably say the majority of the guys that listen that that call in or, or email in um you know if you listen to this podcast you, you probably have the habitat bug right like we're, we're pretty we're pretty niche in, in that way of you know we're gonna yeah. talk about bow hunting all the time or this and that so that, that's probably why it seems to be the common theme but having that that other set of eyes that you know all the properties we've been on and this and that you know things that stick out to me right away you know they didn't stick out to me right away when i first started doing this or when guys first start getting into this so yeah, yeah. I, I would agree and, and i'm glad you i'm glad you called we we did a plan we had some fun we got some stuff going and then you started implementing the plan you know, I have not been back since the plan yet. I, I'd love to come see it sometime soon. 
I guess, what are some of the, the first things you did? Maybe, you know, I guess it'd probably be what, spring of, spring of 22 or winter of 22? Um, I started basically on one end of the wood is what I did um, on the south end. And prior to that, you know, I would work for two or three hours in one spot and then I would jump over to another spot. Well, at the end of the day, I wasn't getting anywhere in the grand scheme of things, if that makes sense. Um, so that's probably one of my biggest things is like, you know, work on a spot, you know, pick whatever, whatever you feel is, is important at that point or the most important, which is what I tried to do when, when I got the, the plan back from you. Um, and with the amount of time I felt like I was going to have, and I basically just started in that spot and, uh, which was on the South, South end of the, the timber and started working from there. So, you know, I, I started cutting and moving stuff and basically I wasn't moving on to the next project until that one was complete. So, um, but yeah, basically this whole, I want to say, I don't even know that I got started that first winter due to weather and whatever else the reasons was. I don't remember now. Um, but cause I don't particularly like being back there when there's six, eight inches of snow on the ground, uh, running a chainsaw. So I just, that's not like in my mind, that's not a very safe scenario, you know, tripping over stuff you can't see. So, and I'm going to say we had a bunch of snow come in and I didn't really get started that first winter, but you know, this, this last winter, I, I hammered away at it pretty good. And I know I was sending you pictures and, and stuff like that. But like I said, I started on that South Ridge, um, basically blocking a bunch of access trails that they were just random trails. You know, my, my goal was I knew where the deer were, were more than likely coming from. Um, so I wanted to basically manipulate them enough to where if I'm going to be in here hunting, the, and if that deer, I'm, whatever deer I'm hunting gets up, he, he's going he's gonna to walk by me, right? If that makes sense. Sorry, yeah. sorry about the dog. Oh, you're fine. The last time I saw those dogs, they were little puppies. So well, you've you <laughs> just gotten those. <laughs> yep. Have you ever been overwhelmed by the hundreds of food plot seed mixes out there? Well, you are not alone. And Vitalized Seed has developed a seed program that takes the guesswork out of food plotting. Vitalized Seed has two core mixes, the Nitro Boost and Carbon Load, to keep it simple. Nitro Boost is their spring-summer food plot mix, and Carbon Load is the fall plot mix, each having a diverse mix of over a dozen different seed types that are highly attractive to whitetail. Food plotting made simple, but it gets even better. Each mix provides necessary nutrients to the soil, making for better plots each season and saving you money by needing less Roundup and less fertilizer each season. The 1-2 system simplifies your food plots just how nature intended. Vitalize seed, make biology work for you. Order now at VitalizeSeed.com. If you guys are wondering if you should buy or sell property right now in Michigan, be sure to get a hold of Chad Thalen over at Midwest Lifestyle Properties. I've been friends with Chad for a long time. He's been a partner of the podcast for quite a few years now, and he just proves to be a resource to me over and over again. Chad has been helping me understand the real estate side of things, answer any questions I have, help me see through some of the technical stuff that I might not be trained for in this in this area, and just knows ground, knows habitat, programs to get stuff, put it on your ground, the government can pay for, all around, very knowledgeable guy over at Midwest Lifestyle Properties. Guys, if you're looking to buy or sell a piece of recreational ground. I mean, he even sells ground with farms and, and houses on it too. But if you're looking to buy a piece of ground or sell yours, give Chad a call. 
Chad is on Facebook at Chad Thalen Land Specialist Midwest Lifestyle Properties. You can also find him on our website at Habitat Podcast. The market is still hot for wrecked properties, and I would call Chad right away to get your property listed and sold. If you're on the lookout for a brand new property, again, Chad has his fingers in a lot of different circles and can find a piece for you. Check him out, Chad Thalen, Midwest Lifestyle Properties on Facebook and at HabitatPodcast.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. It does make sense to me. You're trying to, that's, that's like what I like to call the, the, fun, the fun work, the manipulation, the, the finish work, the trying to pinch them down within bow range. That's the stuff that, and, and I've done it. And I've shot deer yeah. by doing it. And that's the stuff that makes you smile right there. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and, and I'd agree with you cutting, cutting woods and six, eight inches of snow. Yeah. That's not, that's not all that safe. So good on you there. And I also think that, you know, I appreciate the way you're sending me pictures, like guys who do these plans, they have access to Brian and I, or any of the HP land manager team forever. As long as you own that parcel, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'd, I'd request to see more pictures from our clients. I love that. Nothing makes us happier than when you're sending me pictures of timber going down, you know, food plot seed going in the ground, um, big old bucks, which we're going to get to here in a second. Like, that's like Christmas to me. So I know it sounds nerdy, but it's true. No, no. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to bother you, but you made it very clear when you, you came to visit that it's not just I'm here today type of thing and gone tomorrow. I'll send you your plan. It, it definitely was not that way, nor it is that way today. Um, you guys have, uh, you guys are doing good things. I, and that's what, like my biggest thing, I think I would, if I got any advice to give to anybody, don't waste another day to get started. You know, I did, I wasted the first three years of this place, three or four, somewhere right in there before I finally said, Hey, I've had enough. I've got to make a change. Um, and just the way I look at it now is, you know, another day that goes by that you didn't get anything to do is another day you're behind. And, uh, so, and just the amount of change and then seeing, you know, like my NRCS guy, they came here. He got to walk this place before any project ever got started. And, you know, he walks through the field out here from the road all the way through this property and just is an awe. You know, you know, you, you go through there, you stand out here on the hill and um, you just stand there and listen, you know, you have bees and butterflies and birds. It's, it's insane. And then, you know, you walk up in the woods and there's stuff growing out there that was not here before. Stuff that I had to look up because I've never seen it around here. But come to find out it's native. And, you know, it's uh, it's just crazy, the the difference. And I've gotten, it's probably the reason I am the way I am now, because, you know, five years ago, I knew I wanted better, but I wanted better because I wanted hunting. I wanted better hunting. And and that was my goal. Um, but today, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's about that. 
to me. You know, I still want good hunting, but I want just the amount of wildlife that has exploded from a handful of years of work has been insane. Yeah, that's that's truly the checking the right boxes there. I mean, the rabbits, the birds, everything else that that you see signs of and or see, you know, viewings of is it's pretty awesome so i think that you know i know you you've done some other cool stuff you you were planting some vitalized seed with a grain drill that was the first <laughs> yeah yep that's uh i'm I'm real bad with experiments uh it's and you know this you know uh you try one thing and yeah maybe it could be a little better and so you so you tweak it this way i'm real bad about doing that so um but yeah i did the one experiment was uh an old fire break that needed to be redone so in that scenario, I had went in a couple times throughout the summer, and uh, basically, I think I sprayed it twice. Basically, killed it off, and then give it a month or two, let it green back up, killed it off again. But on that one, I had went in and uh, I took a tiller, and I tried, I tried to set it, you know, keep it at like two to three inches deep because I, I did not want to like cause a bunch of disturbance. But uh, yeah, so um, then I used uh, it's an old John Deere Van Brunt, just a old grain bean planter basically is all it is you know um technically the ground should be worked for to use that uh piece of equipment but you know i found it over here across the road in an old barn and uh fixed it all up but so yeah that uh i ended up going in filling that up i don't know like i said two two inches deep or so is what i tried to keep it just enough to so that drill could cut in because where i was putting that in it was clay you know so I knew the chances of that drill being able to cut into that was not going to be very good. Um, and thankfully on that one, uh, I ended up getting a pretty heavy rain. I want to say that afternoon. I don't remember. I know I sent you a video or, or text you about it or something. Um, but uh, then across the ditch is uh, actually like, uh, I would call it muck. It's a, like a black dirt. And over there, I just went in and, and sprayed and let it all die down and filled that planter back up with more vitalized seed. And then just went in and drilled it in and some of it ended up on top of the ground some of it got covered up like it was and uh but at the end of the, like i probably couldn't have asked for any better outcome than what i got out of those two food pots it was it was crazy to see the way it worked out that's so cool because i mean you know no-till drills are amazing right but most guys don't have them and the fact that you just found something, made it work with, with what you got, that's that's the way I like to do things. And man, that yeah, some of the videos you sent looked like it was no-till drilled in, man. That was perfect. Um, yeah. So good on you. Like, I, How many bad experiments have you had with all of your fun experiments? <laughs> we always cover the good uh, stuff. It's always fun to cover the bad stuff, too. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know that I have, I've had any bad. Um, I've had some work out better than better than others but uh you know a lot of it i like trying a bunch of different type of seeds and you know try, trying to be different than the neighbor right like i know what's going on over there um i'm i want to want them to have a reason to want to be on this side it, so um you know way back when before all this habitat stuff started you know i put in some uh, miscanthus which you seen that when you were here and uh yep. uh yeah that was that was an experience or it, experiment there too you know i had this random clover food plot but the problem was there was no security around it. So I had went in and, you know, planted that miscanthus and then which ended up working out really, really well uh, because I think I only planted, how did I plant that? Um, I think 18 by 18, basically two rows, you know, 18 staggered, 18 inches staggered and make the heck of a place to put a pop-up blind in. But I was getting pictures of four, five-year-old deer and that thing random times of the day. 
just because it had that wall around it, basically. So, but yeah, at the end of the day, I don't think, I don't know that I've ever had any that I would say was a complete failure, but I've definitely had some that, that, that you know, worked out better than others. Oh yeah. And, and you said these four or five year old bucks. I know um, I've seen the pictures that you've been sending, man. And let's, let's get into a couple of these, these deer. You guys have had a great year this year. There was a real big deer running around there last year. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit and see uh, wherever you want to start. Honestly, probably maybe wrap it up with with that that booner from your buddy. But however you want to start, I guess tell a little bit story about the deer and and kind of what you're seeing. You know, um, you want you want to start with that deer from last year? Yeah, that sounds great. Or, let's, or, yeah, cr- chronological order. Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, but basically there was a deer, he showed up here. Oh, I want to say he was the best we could tell when that deer was killed last year, going back to trail camera pictures. Um, he was four and a half when he was killed. I find that hard to believe. Uh, but that's all we had to go off of was trail camera pictures um, from the very first year picture that he showed up here. Uh, and, and we knew he was going to be something special. And, you know, it's, like anywhere else, you cross your fingers and hope that deer doesn't leave because more than likely somebody's gonna gonna get him, right? Um, but basically he to look at his frame, he wasn't anything special at what I'm gonna gonna call him a year and a half old deer. Um and but he had, oh, I don't know, three three or four extra flyers coming off his uh brow tines or bases right there, you know. So I'm like, Hope smokes, you know, that's that's gonna be a deer if he can make it. And then, you know, he, thankfully that deer is what I call a homebody. He just didn't leave. But the interesting thing about him is he never, he wouldn't drop his uh, antlers until the new ones basically pushed him off. So you knew if he was still alive or not, you know, there was no question about it. Um, but yeah, so fast forward to last season or the season before that, uh, my son wanted him pretty bad and he was a nice deer, no doubt. Probably I'm going to guess mid one forties. Um, and we could have killed him, you know, down here on the ditch and the well, last week of, uh, of deer season, which was, was strictly archery here, but he had already broken off. I want to say is, uh, like a G3 or something like that. And, uh, you know, I, and he didn't really make a great jump that year. So I was kind of like, man, you know, that's not what I expected out of him. And, but, you know, I talked to Garrett and I'm like, Hey, if you want to go kill him, we'll go kill him. I said, but you know, he's only got four more days to make it. Let's, uh, I, I think we need to give that deer another year. And, you know, mind you, I'm talking to a, uh, a 10 year old at that time, but a 10 year old, that a 10 year old that sees the, that sees that I've gotten to get to understand if we shoot them today, they're not going to get bigger. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, he wants to kill big deer. That's, that's his goal. Um, that kid's passed up bigger deer than a lot of grown men will ever pass up. And, but that's his choice. It's not anything I've done to him other than get him to understand that, um, Hey, if we shoot him today, we know he's dead. He's never going to get bigger. We can't control what the neighbors do, but we can control ourselves. And he understands that. So I said, Hey, um, we can go kill him if you want to go kill him. I said, he's broken. He's got four more days to make it. Barring anything out of the ordinary natural causes. I said, I think we, 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 uh, we try to see what next year brings for this deer. And he's like, all right, let's do it. I said, all right, fair enough. So, you know, I, I walk away like, Ooh. <laughs> uh, but you know, then fast forward to last season, uh, real early, I get a picture on a on a mineral on an old stump I have back here. I've dumped mineral on once a year, every year, right? And I get I go back, check the camera, pull 
you know, throw the card in the computer. And I said, hey, Garrett, come here, you know. I said, what deer is that? You, like, his eyes lit up. Like, I'm not kidding you when that, it was obvious what deer it was, but basically take two Coke cans and put them on top of his head. That's what it looked like. And that's all it was. It was about six, eight inches tall. You know, it just started to grow, but just the mass was ridiculous. And, you know, he goes, his eyes lit up. He goes, dad, that's bones. I said, yep. I said, I think we made the right call, buddy. What do you think? He goes, I can't wait to see what he turns into. And uh, so, you know, last year that was his deer. And um, with all the habitat work that took place back here leading up to that, I think obviously went into having that deer want to be here. But, you know, I was getting that deer on camera. Oh, geez. I mean, two or three times throughout the day, you know, get into that late October. Like he'd be hitting mock scrapes that I put up and, you know, vine, licking vines and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm pretty confident at any point I could have went back there and killed that deer, but I, I couldn't make myself do it. Um, so, you know, after talking Garrett out of, of killing him the year before, I felt like, you know, that's, I want to give this kid a chance, you know, all the deer he's passed up. And, and that's what I told him. And he said, dad, go kill that deer. I said, they ain't doing it. I said, it's not worth that to me. And um, I said, I want to see you reap the benefits of what you, you know, letting him walk. I said, he goes, what if the neighbor kills him? I said, then the neighbor kills him. You know, he's a free range deer. I said, but the deer means more to me, number one, that I've got to grow him. And number two, if you kill him. And um, so, and, you know, at this point I knew he was big. Um, I didn't realize how big, but it, it wouldn't have made a difference. I mean, heck, man, I was I was doing everything I could not to be here to hunt. When I knew he couldn't hunt, I was I was coming up to Michigan to hunt with a buddy. I'd go over to Ohio to hunt with a buddy just so I knew there was no chance, you know, that I would go back on what I wanted to have happen in the end with that deer. But fast forward there a little bit. Um, he, we never did get an opportunity while Garrett was back there to kill him. And opening night of last gun season, you know, texting back and forth with the neighbor. And I knew that was obviously the number one deer on his list. And you know, the gun cracks and I hear it hit. And I text the neighbor. I said, is he dead? Yep, he dead. I said, all right, good enough. Congratulations. And I, you know, I called Garrett because he was up in the woods hunting. I was like, hey, don't pass up a buck you like. I said, he goes, was that bones? I said, yep. And, uh, but yeah, so not to drag this out, but, you know, we, like I said, we, we didn't get to kill that deer, but I think it was honestly for the better if you know i think he ended up i forget what they taped him out at um i want i want to say one either i think it was rough roughly 180 and that deer had about i don't know 10 inches safely broken off when when the kid killed him next door wow yeah um you know i got to take garrett over there to see him and you know that that guy was apologizing left and right to garrett and i was like no i go don't apologize man and i said you just killed a deer of a lifetime i said you killed a deer that I had envisions of growing here, but never thought was going to be a thing. I said, uh, you know, when I when I bought this place, my goal was always I want 140 to 150 to be my like my. I felt like I could maintain that as my standard good deer here, but ultimately one booner in 10 years as was was my goal, and I did it. You know, and I got to see my kid. You know, a deer that he was dead set on killing. You know, he had to see the neighbor kill him, but. Then I got to watch a 10-year-old walk up to a guy and be as happy as if he would have killed it, shook his hand, you know? So I think in the end, you know, it worked out, right? I know it probably sounds crazy to people that I'm like, yeah, whatever, about 190-inch deer, but I don't know, I'm weird. I'm in a different stage of my hunting than I was five, six years ago, I guess. Yeah, so. man. And and the, and the way you told that story about you and your son and, and uh, you know, man, he's becoming, and I nothing about that sounded weird to me the entire time. Uh, I'm just sitting over here smiling. 
you know, watching, watching you or hearing you tell a story about watching his face light up, about seeing those Coke can bases. And, you know, that's the stuff that I, I hope to be doing extremely soon. You know, it might not yeah. be a, might not be an eighties deer, but, uh, it'll be, that's not, that's not the moral of the story, right? The story, moral of the story is, you know, you got the habitat there. You got a deer like that to hang around. Um, and at the end of the day, they're free range. You can't tie them to a tree and it's not the only big deer in town. Yep. Yep. So yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, even my wife thought something was wrong with me. You know, she came home that night. I said, said, well, uh, bones is dead. And, uh, she like looks at me and she goes, um, are, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm good. Um, I don't think you're okay. I said, you know, I just, I'm not, I, I said, I understand what you're getting at. I said, but you know, you know, and I've heard you guys talk about it on your podcast, like these phases you go through throughout your hunting career. Yep. And like, I'm at the point right now where I, I want to go back here. I love, love, love doing the habitat work and seeing what I can grow. Um, never had a turkey here when I first got this place. Now, I mean, I don't want to give out any, no grid coordinates here, but you know, there's probably 150, 200 birds here today. You know, that's so cool, and, dude. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. So to see, I go that, you know, that, that's where I'm at. And, you know, as I'll tell another story here about this season and like, yeah, do I want to kill a big, big deer? Yes, I do. But I want to grow big deer, see how big I can get them. And, you know, like my buddy coming over here, that I just gave somebody an opportunity to kill a deer that he quite possibly may never get another chance to kill in his life where he hunts. So, um, but yeah, that, you know, that's just kind of where I'm at today and in my hunting. But so let's let's hear I, about how how Garrett um, came with some some vengeance this year and maybe, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe turn the turn the tables on on the big deer back there yeah yep so there was a uh uh, throughout the summer it was being behind the house so you know how the house sets i can obviously throw the spotter up outside and and we could watch the growing the deer growing season unfold from the house which is uh is huge to be able to do that um but there was a deer he had his eyes set on i mean deer's bigger deer than like i said than i had anticipated him being (laughs) once we put a tape on him but, um, you know, he was out there every night in the beans and, or not every night, but you know, a fair amount. And we got to watch him grow all summer. And, and I had to work. We have a youth weekend here that comes in the first or the last weekend before October 1st, where, when everybody else's season starts, um, it's just for the, the kids, you know, and, uh, I had to work Saturday of that, but I knew I was going to have Sunday night. So I had to work Saturday night. And when I got ready to go to work, I said, Hey, uh, he's like, dad, can I go hunting? I said, no, nah, buddy. I said, it's not that I don't trust you to go. Um, I was like, no, there's no, nobody's going to be around to help you. And uh, I was like, I'd just rather wait till tomorrow night. And I said, uh, so I don't know, it's up to you, man, but uh, you can either come out here about 45 minutes before dark and stand in front of this spotter and watch, or you can go be a normal kid, you know, go do whatever you got to do. You know, I said, but I said, if it were me, I would be out here about 45 minutes before dark watching this bean field. And I go, because, you know, set ourselves up for tomorrow night. All right. You know, I didn't have any, much uh, hope that that's what he was going to choose, but, <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, I worked that night, I come home, we got baseball and, uh, all day. So Garrett and Nolan, the boys and I, we go get in the, on the hill behind the house. If you remember, right, there's like a, a hill that they clean trees off straight north of the house. Right. And yep. uh, so we were, I have a, I made a, hay bell blind and it's setting on that hill so we get back there and i said hey dude i'm gonna lay down 
I said, I've been up for 32 hours at this point. I'm tired. I said, uh, this is your hunt. Wake me up if you see him. I said, all right. Or he goes, all right. So he goes, dad, there, there's deer coming out. I said, okay. So I get up and well, here they come. And the two big ones, you know, the one he was after and then another big one. And at that point, they were 300 yards. And I said, he's like, dad, can I shoot that? I said, no, you ain't shooting that. And I said, Garrett, it's just not worth it, you know? And um, he's shooting a 6.5 Creedmoor. So uh, do I think he can make that shot? Yes, I do. I don't want him to have to make that shot in standing beans on a deer like that, you know, if you if you know what I mean. So, um, but anyways, the deer, they make it across the field. And I just couldn't, for the life of me, figure out. They basically came from the north end of my woods and went to the woods just north of my house that little square woods on the hill, if you, if you remember right. Um, yep. And I said, I got my like, Garrett, I don't know what they're doing. Like it, it doesn't make sense because they cleared a standing bean field in a matter of, I don't know, three, four minutes. Like they were a steady walk, but there was nothing over there that made sense to me why that they were doing what they were doing at the pace they were doing. And they weren't scared or anything. And then he looks at me, he goes, he's like, dad, they're going to come out on the south side of this wood. I said, what makes you think that? He goes, I just know it in my heart. I seen, I seen three of them out there the other night, and I know he was one of them. I said, you seen three big deer over here? And he's like, yeah, when you were at work, I seen them. I looked down through the spotting scope, and I know he's one of them. I just know in my heart that's what's going to happen. I said, all right. I said, well, we'll see how right your heart is. <laughs> I said, well, I guess, you know, the deer we want, we know where he's at. And I said, so watch over here. And I, here we go. You know, 20 minutes later, the first one pops out. And I said, get ready, dude. Here they come. He said, you kidding me? I knew it. You know? And uh, so we ended up having to bail out of the blind. And because they had come out from the woods and got down behind the hill, feeding in a really green patch of beans. And we took the tripod, got set up on him. He kills him. And, or well, he shoots him, kid loses his mind. And I heard it hit the deer and I seen the way the deer reacted. And, but it went into the woods across the fence. And I said, I go, what do you, what did you see? I go, what do you feel? And he's like, I, I seen the shoulder buckle. I, I know I hit him, dad. I said, oh, I know you hit him. I said, but you shot before I could get the binos on him. So I don't know where you hit him. He goes, I know his shoulder buckle. I said, okay, well, then we're, now we're on a emotional roller coaster of, I know I hit him, but how good did I hit him? And he's he was like he was losing his mind. Dad, I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> That's said, awesome. Well, yeah, I was like, dude, I said, let it out. I said, you ain't gonna hurt nothing. Throw up. And he's he's like he's like I'm so nervous. I said, if you gotta throw up, throw up, dude. And he's like, let's go after him. I said, nope, we ain't doing that. And uh, so we take Nolan back up to the house, our youngest. We eat dinner. We go back, and I said, here's the plan, man. I said, we're gonna go down this wood line. We're going to find blood, and then we're going to see what that blood tells us to do from there, since we don't know. And he's like, all right. Well, I'll be honest, man. He, like, we get down there, and there's just blood everywhere. I'm like, what in the world? But the part that really confused me, and, and I tried to do it with the boys, any scenario that I'm in, I try to turn into a teaching moment for them. And so, you know, I could see that there was an extreme amount of blood for a 6.5 bullet, and it was not just running. It was running out, but it was spraying as well you know it was out off the trail but the part that was really throwing me off was there was a lot of guts in it and um like i said i said man i don't know that it is a little different he goes dad i know he's dead i said i get it i i know what you feel man or i understand i said but we you know we can't we don't want to push him i said because if you did hit him in back and he's not dead and we jump him up we may never find it and he's like just go 10 more yards i'm like all right fine so i keep going same scenario you know a lot of blood and at this point the deer's probably gone 50 yards maybe at most and uh so he goes 
uh, coyotes start lighting up, I don't know, two or 300 yards from us. And he's like, dad, we got to find him. I said, Garrett, I don't know, man. I said, I, you know, I'm seeing a lot of gut in the blood and said, it just doesn't make sense what I'm seeing. And he goes, give me 10 more yards, dad. And I said, all right, if you're willing to risk jumping him up, because that could be the, you know, and he said, I'm willing. I see. He goes, I know he's dead. I said, well, all right. Then I go 10 more yards, look up over a log and I see a main beam sticking up. You know, I said, oh boy. And so I tell Gary, I said, come here. I go, come here, look at this blood. And uh, so I took the light and kind of shined it in his eyes. As soon as that, the, the, uh, the beam of that flashlight hit that deer's beam, when he's, you know, he's laying on his side dead. And that kid ended up in my arms, all 110 pounds of them. <laughs> <laughs> so just lost so awesome. mine. Oh, yeah, dude. It was, it couldn't have been any better. You know, he goes, Dad, I wait six years since my last buck. I said, Yep. I said, Was it worth it? He said, Every minute of it, every minute. <laughs> I said, Good on you, dude. I said, You know, I said, You did the right thing, man. You you waited, you passed deer. I said, But look at what, look at what we have here today. You know, I said, You just killed the biggest deer of your life. You know, when I seen him, I kind of, I just turned around, you know, and held my hand out, you know, and his eyes got so big and yeah, that's, that's when he jumped up in my arm. And so, but yeah, pretty cool deal. So, yep. So yeah, he's, he's I, officially taken number one in the house because that deer, you know, just rough taped out at just over 160. So, um, yeah, but. Holy so, wow. Then, buddy. Uh, Holy wow. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> you guys are, and, and we're not even done yet. And that's, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm proud. This is amazing. I love the way you're, you're turning it into a teaching moment. I could tell you do that by the way you're telling these stories. And that's just, that's just amazing. And then again, the great habitat and the great deer come along with all this. This is just an awesome, awesome story. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I try to just, you know, it's just, that's what the whole time, you know, I, I don't kill a big deer every year. It's, it's been a while, you know, but you know, I try to explain it to them and Hey, pay attention to what they're doing. They'll do it again, you know? And I just try to take, when it comes to those boys, you know, I just want them to understand we ain't here to pull triggers. That's not what this is about. And understand what you're seeing out here, you know, and, and, and appreciate it because, you know, there's a lot of people that can't sit on the hill behind a house and see 20, 30 turkeys and, and 40 deer. You know what I mean? So I just, I try to just, I want them to understand what they've got, you know, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I guess we'll, uh, We'll fast forward into the next one here. Yeah, giddy up. His next one's even better. Yeah. yeah. So uh, long story short, I've got a buddy that I was in the Marine Corps with. Um, he comes over once or, you know, at least once to turkey hunt or once to deer hunt. So once a year so we can hang out, you know. Um, he got out He got out of the Marine Corps about a year before I did. Um, and we've basically been meeting up to hunt either over there or over here. He lives over in Ohio um, at least once a year since then. So, um, but uh up until this point, all he's ever killed here are, are does, and he doesn't care. He'll tell you straight up, I don't care, dude. I'm, I'm here to hang out, man, and which I appreciate, and he knows what I'm trying to do here. So I, I put him on kind of a little bit of a, hey, we're not we're not shooting a two-year-old. You know what I mean? So, uh, but, so, just to pull the whole story together, you, if you remember when you were here doing the land plan, and you remember we got up north, and I was telling you about this deer that probably should shoot, but I, I think he's got potential to get get big, you know? And remember them big trees you started seeing tore up up on the north end? Oh, yeah. Yep. So that deer is this deer. And so he, I got a picture of him um, the last day of muzzleloader season in 21, I believe. Because you were here in 21, correct? Or 22? Yes. No, uh, well, I think I, I think I came in in 22. The actual visit was in 22. Yeah. So we started talking in 21. Okay. 
Yep, yep. So the last night of muzzleloader season, right before dark, heading east. So I knew he made it through gun season, right? Fast forward, not one picture. And I covered that north end because that was my deer going into the 22 season. And uh, so cameras, nothing. Not one sighting of that deer. I'm like, no, he's dead, right? So then fast forward again to, to this year. So I get home from work one morning. I see a deer out behind the house. I'm like, man, I don't recognize that deer. And, you know, he's three, 400 yards. My spotter ain't that good. So I do a little video of him and whatever. And, you know, we go on about our business and I never see another picture, nothing of that deer. So I figured, you know, he just was moving through or whatever. So, you know, Josh comes over um, and that night, you know, he's, we've had a pretty good hunt up to this point and seen a lot of deer. And he even said, he goes, dude, I don't care if I kill another or if I kill deer at all, you know, and He's like, I've seen 15, 20 deer, probably 10, 12 bucks. He's like being deer, chasing. We saw a fight, you know, and uh, he said, uh, he goes, this has been the best weekend of hunting I've ever had in my life. And granted, he, I was the one to get him into to bow hunting when we were in the Marine Corps. So, you know, this, I kind of started this whole path for him. And um, so, you know, fast forward, what was it, Saturday night, I believe. I don't remember when I sent you the picture of that, if that was that night or the next morning. Um, we had actually, that Saturday morning, we seen a pretty nice deer. He was actually part of the fight. He was broken up. I was like, I don't recognize that deer. I was like, if you want to kill him, you can kill him. I said, he's, he's an outsider. And uh, so, and he went from the south end to the north end of the property. So I said, we're going to go up there. I only go up there when I'm up there to kill, if that makes sense sense to you like it's such a high high risk in and out of there getting in and out that you just can't do it all the time and i have to come across the neighbors more than likely to get there so um i said the only deal is dude i said you got to get in the saddle i said i do not have a setup there and he's like you think i can do it i'm like yeah you can do it i said it's easy never been in a saddle before and uh i said but that's our only option i said i'll do everything i'll hang the sticks I'll, I'll even put your platform on the tree. All you need to do is come up behind me and I'll get you hooked in or we'll be all good. All right, I can do it. I said, all right. So we get in there, climb, I find a tree and uh, get him all set up. You know, first time I said, draw your bow a little bit, buddy. I said, it's a little bit different, but it's not as awkward as you think, you know. And so he draws a few times and uh, he hangs his bow up and I said, you see that? He said, what? I said, I pat, I'm in a big white oak tree and I pat the tree. I said, this is a tree you killed Booner out of. And he, he starts laughing. He goes, I mean, I'll shoot it if it walks by. <laughs> I said, what well, ain't walking by here? Just so you know. And, uh, but so we, you know, we, I don't know, there's a bunch of turkeys come in, whatever, but, uh, and a couple of does come under the tree and I'm, and I know I need to shoot some does. I was like, shoot one of them does. I don't know. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I'm facing to the west. He's on the opposite side of the tree facing to the east. And I see uh, legs coming our direction. And I kind of lean down and throw the binos up. I see it's a doe and she's in a hurry. And uh, then I see legs behind her. And all I seen, he, he had his head on the ground. Obviously, he's pushing her. And I seen a big dagger coming off of one side of his, of his brow tine. And I said, all I said was, get your bow. Because his back's to him at this point. And... Uh, so, and I still can't really tell what deer it is. All I know is it's a big deer. And that, I mean, Jared, it couldn't have worked out any better. <laughs> Wind was in our favor. This deer, this doe comes up right in line with us. She's just north of us. Cuts south, runs right under the tree, within two feet of the tree. And I'm laughing. Like in my head, I'm laughing. I'm like, yeah, no way. And at this point, I still don't know what we got for, for a deer because he's standing up behind two big hickory trees. And all I can see is his feet. And he steps out from behind those, uh, 
trees. And I said, at this point, he's in, he's 40, 40 yards. And I, uh, I kind of lean around the tree. I said, do not look at his rack. I said, Josh, just take your time, pick your spot, take your time. And, uh, you know, this deer, he, at this point he's walking and I see him draw his bow and this deer's hard quartering two at 30. And I said, do not do that. And I said, he's coming. Don't rush your shot. And so, uh, he lets, he lets back down. And thankfully he had enough wits about him at the time is, to see the path that that deer was on because there's a, a maple tree that had limbs going everywhere, you know, and I'm like, Whoosh. and, uh, you know, this deer is going to get biased. And the, instead of coming right under the tree, he stayed out 20 yards because I didn't know it at the time, but the doe had jumped over a down tree. So he was heading right for her. And so basically he starts walking and Josh drew his bow and just kept it right on the only opening he had. And I said, take your time, buddy. And, you know, my, my heart's in my throat and I know it's a big deer. And, uh, you know, that deer walks up there, stops him, shoots him. And I can see he hit him a little bit back. The deer just plows through a down tree and runs about 20 yards and just stands there with his head hanging. And I'm watching him through the binos that, I don't know, he's probably 40 yards from us at this point. And I can tell he's not good. He's hunched up. I know he hit him back. And, uh, so, and the deer would walk two or three foot stop. And then finally I had lost sight of him. And I said, I looked back up at Josh and I said, do you know what you just did? And he goes, all I know is I just shot the biggest buck I've ever seen in my life in the woods. I said, I'm not very good at math, especially in a matter of seconds. I said, but I'm pretty sure you're north 160 inches. It did. That guy lost his mind. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Dude. Just, just shaking. And, uh, so, uh, I said, where'd you hit him? He said, I hit him back. I said, all right, that's what I've seen. I said, I'm, I, I go, I'm pretty confident to tell you the deer's dead. And I said, but we are not going over there. We're going to get down from this tree. We're walking the opposite direction out of here as quiet as, as we can at dark. And we're just going to give him time. There's no point. Whether he's dead now or dead in two hours, he's still dead, right? So he's like, fine. He's like, dude, I'm, he goes, I'm going to listen to you. Whatever you think's right. I said, all right. I said, that's what we're going to do. And, uh, and as we were having this conversation, I heard a limb break. And it wasn't like a limb that something stepped on and broke. It had more force behind it. I said, you hear that? He said, yeah. He goes, I said, I'm pretty sure he's down. I said, that's right over where I last seen him. I said, that's not a normal. I stepped on something, broke a limb type thing. And I said, but we're still going to stick to the plan. And that's what we're going to do. And so that's what we did. We gave it about three and a half, four hours. Another one of my buddy, close buddies that's here, he, he came back with us. And uh, interestingly enough, I learned something that night. And uh, my buddy that was with me, has same he's seen it twice this year um we knew the shot was back we were assuming liver so that deer bled i mean there was blood everywhere for the first up until the point where he shot him to where i first seen him stop i mean blood it was a bloodbath right and there was lung blood and from that point where he stopped another 40 yards to where we had found him not one more single drop of blood another 40 or 50 yards that deer went and not one more drop of blood and uh so anyways we, he basically ended up hitting him in the back of the lungs, caught a little bit of the gut through the liver, like basically right through the middle of it all. So the deer only went maybe 70 yards total, but, uh, no, nothing wrong yeah, with that. So that deer, no, no. So, but yeah, that deer ended up, we ended up taping it out in the barn at one seven, just over one seven. So, wow. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, dude, that was, uh, it was a cool moment, man. That's, that's probably that deer right there to watch one of my best friends that I went through what we went through to get him started in hunting and or bow hunting and and then and that's what he said like he just stood there he's a grind i don't know what to say to you i said don't say nothing 
I said, there's nothing to say. I said, live in the moment, brother. I said, these days don't come very often. That it was meant to be, man. And he goes, you, he's like, you got me started. I said, I, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he goes, you got me started. And, you know, he's like, you literally just put me on a deer of a lifetime. I said, well, I hope it's not a deer of a lifetime for you. I said, but if it is, nobody more deserves. I said, I got the opportunity to be here for it as well, you know? And, but yeah, man, it was, it was a cool moment to watch a dude just sat there and hold a deer that like, he was an, a guy that I've never heard speechless be speechless. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, well, dude, well done. I mean, you got to be in the tree with him. You know, he's one of your Marine Corps buddies. Like, I don't I don't know if you could hope for anything better than that. You know, that's just that's just awesome. And then, you know, kudos to you for all the hard work you're putting in out there. And and you know, that text I got, I think it said Booner alert on the 43, baby, or something like that. And I was just like, what? You know, texting you back. And then I saw the pictures come through that night. It was like, oh, my word, dude, you are you are working it and and doing it right. And I just, uh, you know, just thank you for allowing me to be a part of your journey. Thank you for coming on the podcast and telling your story, man. Holy cow. Great stories. Yeah. Sons are going to be killers. I I can't wait. Yeah, I yeah, I I appreciate you guys uh, and what you guys are doing. You guys, I mean, I'll. We talked about it when you were down here. You guys have come a long, long way from episode one. And uh, but and I've learned a ton. And obviously, yeah, one of these days, you have to come down this way or whatever. And uh, and uh, like I said, I still got work to do. But, you know, when after Josh killed that deer and Garrett killed that deer this year and Garrett comes up to me and goes, Dad, it's working. I said, what? He goes, all the work and time that you spend back there, it's working. It's paying off. I said, yep. I said, but guess what? There's a lot more to be done. <laughs> I said, it can be better, yep. man. I said, we, you got to keep digging. I said, and we're going to keep make, trying to make it as good as we possibly can. So, I mean, and for an 11-year-old this year to be that and to recognize that makes me feel pretty good. Like, he sees the difference that, that from what it was, you know, so... But, yeah, it's, Amen, it's, been, a, it's been a fun jersey, journey. Not jersey. Geez. But uh, I got more. I got more to go, I think, so... Well, we'll have to we'll have to have you on soon, uh, and I'm, I'd love to come down there and see your place, see what it's turned into, um, maybe next year or this winter or something. And uh, man, yeah, just uh, keep up the good work and uh, and keep in touch. I'm I'm need a little bit of your your uh, good juju heading my way, so <laughs> send it my way. Hey, you got every bit of it. So yeah, I hope you uh, hope you pull one down when when you get over there, man. Thanks, buddy. I'll keep no, you posted for yeah. sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, like I said, I, I appreciate what you, what you guys are doing and, and these podcasts that you're having, you know, like it's pretty cool. All the guests you got on and different perspectives. So you're doing well. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you, man. Thank you very much for listening to the Habitat podcast. Guys, we will be back with another great episode next week. I just want to say once again, how grateful we are for the listenership we have and the, the loyal listeners you guys have been and supporters of the podcast. For those of you who want to support further, we have free decals being sent out to those who leave us great reviews. Scroll down, hit the link to leave a great review, and then email me info at habitatpodcast.com. I'll get you a free five-inch decal in the mail right away. Guys, I want to thank our sponsors, Vitalized Seed Company at vitalizedseed.com. Exodus Outdoor Gear, Packer Max Cultipackers, Morse Nursery, Acres.com, Downburst Cedars, First Light, United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers. 
Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.